I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Everybody, welcome to another episode of At the Hive Live. This week, we've got a play-in megapod for you. James and I are joined by experts from each team in the play-in for preview of the tournament, and we're going to discuss, you know, a little bit of a matchup previews for each game and what we all expect to come from it. What team we expect or teams we expect to be victorious after the tournament's over. It was a really fun time, and we hope you all enjoy that in the second half. In the first half, we're going to talk for a little bit about Sunday's season-ending loss to the Wizards. Uh, But first, I'd like to give a shout-out to my good friend Brian for producing our new intro song. You can find him on SoundCloud at ProdByGatsu. That's P-R-O-D-B-Y-G-A-T-S-U. A huge shout-out to him for making us a fire new intro. You guys, be sure to go check out his page. He's a really great producer. I've known him for a very long time. He's been consistently improving throughout the entire time. And, uh, yeah, uh, thanks again to him for making us a cool new intro. Um, Yeah, so James... How you feeling after after that loss to the Wizards on Sunday? I mean, include the Knicks loss as well. I yeah, mean, they, really. Yeah, they were both as equally as painful. Um, I I don't know. On one hand, I know this team's had injuries. At the same time, I've always said that this team would be competitive without Gordon Hayward as long as it had everyone else back. And they've they've had everyone else back for the last two because I've had Miles back and. They have been competitive. You know, they were right there in the Knicks game. They were right right there in the Washington game. Those are two teams who are playing well right now. Miles Bridges has not missed a beat, and he's really brought something to this team. And by the way, after the season's finished, you can bet we're going to redo our prospect rankings. And I think there will be some move movement in those prospect rankings with Miles Bridges going only one way, and that is up. Um but look, they've been in all these games. Last, I mean, they're on a five-game losing streak. They lost to New Orleans by two, all right. They lost to Denver by five. They lost to the Clippers by 13, but it was closer than that. You know, they had a lead at halftime and they had a really poor fourth quarter. They, you know, lost an overtime against the Knicks and then they lost by five to the Wizards. I mean, get one of those games and you're the eighth seed right now and you've got a chance to take on a hurt Celtics, Lose all five of them, you end up finishing 10th. Uh, 
If you replayed this a hundred times, I think Charlotte finishes eighth, probably around 80 to 90 times. Honestly, I find they, they find a way to pick one of these games out. The fact that they've not is a, is a little bit of bad luck. They've not shot the ball well over the last week. It, probably the worst shooting run they've had all season. <coughs> Sorry. And ultimately, the defense hasn't really been good enough. I mean, if you look at these games, New Orleans, 112 points. Denver, 117. Clippers, 113. New York, 118, including overtime. Washington, 115. They haven't held a team under 110 points. Um, so I think the defense has been a real issue and the shots have not been falling. That's the case. You're going to lose games. Um, I feel really bad for the team because I think they know they probably should have got the eight seed. That's how they'll feel. I mean, Devonte Graham has missed two shots wide open with a game on the line, two nights in a row and missed them both. And if, if you told me, after the Clippers game that you had an open Devonte three in both the Knicks game and the Wizards game to, to, to win or go to overtime, I probably would have taken that. And if, those, if, if either of those shots fall, this is a different, we have a completely different podcast. The margins yeah. are so small in the NBA and, and they didn't. And, and as Borrego said, post game, this is the pain teams have to feel and they have to learn and grow from it. So I'm, I'm pretty downbeat. I, I know in the grand scheme of things, I'll look at it and go, we went from third lottery odds to the playing tournament. We had a myriad of injuries. But right now, I, I, I find it hard to kind of make any sense of that. And I, I'm really disappointed with how the season has finished. And I think it's probably going to be quite a short playing experience against Indiana. Yeah, I, th- I too think it will probably be a short stay in the postseason, the Hornets' first appearance there since since Purple Shirt Guy in 2016. Uh, I I don't I don't th- I'm not quite as like disappointed as you are. I think uh, I because so much of it is just like that's just how it goes, man. Like sometimes you make shots, sometimes you don't. Like both of them were wide open. Borrego drew up good plays. The players executed. Devontae got a good uh, got a shot up. The Knicks the shot against the Knicks in the Knicks game was you know that one missed pretty badly but i mean that one against the wizards like that one almost went down i mean he was he i mean and you saw when he he turned around he was just walking down the court with his head down like he mm-hmm. knew like damn like i could have hit that most a lot of the time i do hit that but like yeah. but that's just that's just how it goes like it sucks because it's there's really nothing that you can do like uh, other than be healthy and like, but, but that's not something you can just pull out of your ass, like with, and be like, Hey, Hayward, can you like magically get better for these last two games? Now that we're on a three game skid and need to win one of them to say in the eighth seed, like you just gotta, you just play with the guys that you have, like, and just whatever happens happens. And for most of the season, they had actually ended up on the, on the right side of that. And I think that it's, it is pretty much just luck. Like their luck just ran out for most, if if these losses had been sprinkled throughout the season and the Hornets finished 10th naturally, like I I really don't think that anybody is disappointed or not as disappointed or anybody. Like I think that the majority of people are like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like if you took these last three or I not really against the Clippers, I guess the nuggets one was the more of the, the winnable game here in the past week. But like you took those three losses, the Knicks nuggets and wizards and like spread them throughout the year. And the Hornets are two and two in the last four, instead of 
or zero and five in the last five. I think that it's a little bit different of a of a scenario. But I mean, here that's not how it happened, and we're and here we're here going zero and five down the down the stretch to fall from. I mean, they had been eighth for like a month, and now they're now they're tenth in in one day. Just needed to win one, but I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's just that's just not just how it's just how it goes. And I'm curious, I, I think I know what your answer will be, but there will be a, a set of fans who will look at the game today and go, Bradley Beal battled with a bad hamstring to play a game that he knew his team needed. Gordon Hayward, on the other hand, is nowhere to be seen. Now, I, I do not hold anything against Gordon Hayward, not with his string of injuries, not with him rushing back too early in the bubble last year. And there is no way I can make any judgment from here that he is, you know, anywhere near as ready to, as Bradley Beal was. Okay. So I have, I have no problem. I think, you know, he will do what is, what is right. And the team will do what is right. I, I'm guessing you have that same opinion, but I think it's important just that we acknowledge there will be that subsection of fans who will point to saying Bradley Beal played through injury and gave his team what they needed. Whereas Gordon Hayward is on the sideline in slacks. Um, what what would you say to that? Yeah, I, and I, I know you know this, but like, it's not it's not really his decision whether or not he no. plays. It's it's Joe Sharp. Like the anger, like, and Joe Sharp is a really good uh, like medical or, or trainer. Like, and if you want, if anybody is to be angry about that situation, you really have to be angry at Joe Sharp and his staff. Which is, I agree. And and to to sit here and be like I'm really pissed at the Hornets medical trainer that makes you sound a lot crazier than being like I'm mad at Gordon Hayward for not playing through an injury. So like there's that, and I also like you're right that he, I don't think he was as close like Bradley Beal. I mean clearly obviously he played like he was cl- obviously closer than Gordon Hayward was. Uh, I mean and I, I don't I yeah I don't I would not I would not entertain that 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 thought no. process like whatsoever. Yeah, and, and I, and I know you if- wouldn't either, but. And even if he was questionable for like Indiana, I wouldn't play him now. No, no, for sure not. No, no. way. Like, like it's... he already he did that last year. He came back too early and it didn't do anything, and he was still hurt. Like, so what's exactly like? Let him get a full summer of rehab. Like at this point now, Chase, I'm finally there. I want to slide back to be higher in the draft. <laughs> yeah, it took months, but we're here. Let's go. Let's go. It's lottery season, baby. I'm, I just I, went to I'm tankathon finally, so I'm fast. I'm finally at the point where I'm happy to wave the white flag. I just went to tankathon wow. so fast. The Hornets are 11th right now. So if they spin lose it, the plan, they spin lose it. the plan, I think – Oh wait, no, I don't think they can go up anymore. So they actually, they, so by the, I think the Spurs have won in the last handful of games or enough to push them above the Hornets. So they actually, they're 11th now. They were 12th. There would have been 12th last time I checked. So that they moved up a spot already. And that's before the the lottery luck, the, the Mitch cup check, uh, gold dust that he's going to sprinkle on. Cause we are, we're tied with San Antonio. We, we played them once and we lost, didn't we? That was the COVID game. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. Then they got stuck in Charlotte, didn't we? So we lost the tiebreakers. So that's why they finish ahead of us, I think. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they're 12 right now. So it's it's Kings 10, Hornets 11, Spurs 12, Pacers 13. So if the Hornets win, theoretically, they'd be 13. But I guess this that would change given how other teams perform in that time. So I guess in, in their, their range will be at, assuming that they, uh, it would be, shocking at this point if they blew through the play in tournament and became the the eight seed right like i uh, not winning winning against the pacers is going to be tough after 
like how they like the how the energy has just been sucked out of them to end the season and missing Gordon Hayward, but beating the winner of the Celtics and Wizards also on the road would be that would be a monumental task. I, I think they are drained emotionally and physically. Yeah, they're just gassed. I think you can tell like, watching. Ev- every NBA team is drained because of the season we, we've had. Yeah. But with, if you imagine all the injuries the team have had, the mental strain they've had probably over the last two weeks, knowing they're kind of clinging on. Um, the last mental strain, just these last two games, the emotional strain and pain, like Devontae Graham, you're right. When he turned around after missing that three, his head was, was I felt so bad for him. He knew like, <sighs> cause he hit, he has, we have witnessed him hit that shot yep. so many times, so many. Yep. And he's a good clutch player. Like he's still a good clutch shooter, like statistically throughout the whole season. Like it's, it's just, it's just, it's literally a coin flip. Like, is the shot going to go in heads or tails heads? Oh, tails, you lose. Like that's that's just what happened against the Wizards and the Knicks. Like and and really a lot recently. And the beginning of the year, we had got the good side of it. So it's just it's just luck, I think. Like that. Well, now we're looking so much at of, that's just all shooting is is just luck, really. Eight point five percent for the top top four overall pick. That's what the Charlotte Hornets have. If they finish eleventh, eight point five percent. I'm I'm still thinking there might be a twist. Just because the Charlotte team seems to do what you least expect. You think they're going to get eighth, they don't get eighth. You think they're going to lose to Indiana. And now they're just like randomly going to find form and win two games in a row. I mean, they've not won two games in a row oh, since God. beating Cleveland and Boston the 25th of April. Okay. Yeah. So not, not too long ago, but. No, that was I mean, actually much more recent than I thought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I figured That's you'd be like, thought. March 4th. And, and then since then, the only wins the team have got are against Detroit and Orlando. So, like, this team is struggling to beat good teams right now. And the Indiana are not good by any means. And they're, look, they're just as beat up as the Hornets, we should say. Like, yeah. TJ Warren out for the season. Miles Turner out for the playoffs. Karis LeVert been in and out. Sabonis been in and out. Car- it's just, it's been one after another for them. They are in a very similar position as Charlotte, I think. Um, not to mention the prob- total disarray that their locker room is in as well. So that's not as big of a factor, I don't think. But I mean, certainly, certainly something that it appears that nobody on that team likes playing for their coach. Yeah, and I do, I do subscribe to like if the season does end poorly on Tuesday, which this by the time by the time this you know, we record next week's pod, we'll know. I do subscribe to the like the idea that the Hornets players are going to go out the season with a bitter taste in their mouth. And you can bet damn well they want to be back here next year and they want to improve it. Whereas if everything had gone great and they'd got to the first round and lost 4-2, I think, you know, there's always that chance of everyone's patting them on the back, telling them how good they are, how they did so well, how they exceeded everyone's expectations. Whereas now you've got that, you know, that little bit of doubt creeping again from people saying that they blew it down the stretch and that little chip on the shoulder which, which can help drive some guys. It just can. You see it time and time again in the NBA. So, that, you know, I'm trying to look for positives here, but it's been it's been a tough time uh, the last couple of episodes we've had right here. Yeah. Um, I'd love to be able to, you know, I'd love to be able to have a pod where we celebrate. And, and look, maybe we will next week, but the last two games, it's, it's taken a lot out of me, Chase, but I'm now looking, I'm now looking towards the lottery. There we go. We're we're back. We're back in the saddle. See, I like. They, I I actually felt like pretty good going like going down the stretch. Like they they obviously were not winning like many games, but it was at least like to the point where it's like okay, this like Miles was out or PJ was out or whoever ever basically anybody on the team over 
in the last couple of months has missed a certain amount of games. Uh, you still felt pretty good about it because like I, I felt really good co- off the uh, coming out of the Clippers game with the way that they played through three quarters. Like their defense was good. Like I, I'm not, I don't, wasn't worried about like their offense because they have good shooters. Like they have LaMelo, Devante to pace the offense, PJ matchup problem, Miles matchup problem. No, I wasn't worried about that, but their defense actually played pretty well against like an elite team with the Clippers who in themselves is a matchup problem because they have two big wings and the Hornets have no big wings with, without Hayward on the floor. So I was a little bit encouraged following that, but I mean that, yeah, it just went, went out the window. Like they're just so gassed. I think like we've already said, we already said that, but I think they just can't, they just got so tired down the stretch. Like it's just so hard to play an entire NBA season. And they had to do that, albeit with 10 less games, but still in like a much shorter time frame with like terrible traveling restrictions and like having to wake up at 6 a.m. to go get tested every single day, even if you don't have practice. Like, but I didn't buy that, Chase, because that's the same for everyone. No, I that's know, the, but that's the, that's th- the I think, I think everyone could play that card. Like, this season just stinks for like every, like, the, what's happening this year, it rarely is it like, the players on the courts fall like the circumstances that are making everyone have a bad year. Like Celtics fans are disappointed because of all the COVID and injuries that they've had. Like heat fans are disappointed for the same reason. Raptors fans are like, what the hell we're going to be like a top five draft pick coming into the year. We thought we could potentially make another run to the Eastern conference finals. Like even the Lakers are like in the play in right now. Like the trailblazers have one of the worst defenses in history. Like there's so many fan bases that are like, disappointed with how their team is going and i just feel like with how bad with how tough this year was like it is it in what in there's like it's not an excuse but because it is an excuse for everybody but in a way like that's still an excuse because the hornets are under the umbrella of everybody you know what i mean like it's just so hard this it's like to play the way that they did for an entire season would have been so difficult like I, I, I liked and what they already did was so difficult because everybody on the team had a stretch this year where you were like oh my god this guy is playing like so much better than we thought like every, every single person every, every single, single player like not one had a time where we were like wow this guy is just not what we thought get him out of here like biz had a good stretch to end the year Cody Zeller had his, his good stretch. The players that everyone has been clamoring to get them off the team had their times where they're like, this is really good. So I just, with the, what the Hornets did this year needs to be like commended. And yes, the, the end of the season stunk. Like that was not fun to watch. Like, I don't think anybody really enjoyed that, but like what they did for the whole season, like, I, I feel like it's just like they, they, the luck just ran out and it, what they did for the on the beginning part of the season, I think, needs to be like, like stand taller than than what they did at the end, given the the circumstances, because they they just got bit like at the end of the year, and everybody had at some point, but that it was the end for the Hornets, and that yeah. culminated in them, you know, sliding and all that. It was just yeah, it was just bad timing, really bad timing, really bad. All right, well let's uh. Let's hold up there. Let's get on to our playing extravaganza, which which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we've got some great guests joining us from each of the playing teams. We had, we had a really good discussion. So let, let's get to that now. And um, we will be we'll be back next week to, to have a further discussion. To, we'll, we'll have to see how these playing games go. Yeah, that sounds good to me, man. All right. We'll see you guys on the other half of the ad break. And we hope you enjoy our playoff megapod, the first one, or play in megapod. I think I did that in the intro for the actual 
Megapod as well. God, they just need to change the name so they're not so similar. <laughs> All right, see you guys after that break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to this week's special roundtable episode of At The Hive Live. Your hosts Chase and James are here as always. And in preparation for the NBA's first playoff to play in tournament or outside of the bubble and the first postseason Hornets basketball game in five years, we are joined by a representative from each of the other playoff teams. And first of all, just a big thanks to all of you for joining us. James and I think this will be a lot of fun to as a bit of a playoff primer for anybody that or play in primer that wants to listen to it. Uh, We've got Jack Simone here who writes for at the hive, but he also runs a Celtics website called from the rafters. Uh, So he's going to come here and fill us in on the Celtics. Mark Schindler of Indie Cornrows and premium hoops is here to fill us in on the Pacers and Ben Mayick of the Washington city paper and bullets forever is here to discuss the wizards with us after Sunday's hectic, fun, awesome, heartbreaking, uh, sad season-ending showdown with the Hornets. Uh, you know, there are probably too many people here today for to do the uh, typical podcast host, how are you doing uh, type of introduction. So uh, I guess we'll just go right into it and just kind of give a reflection on the, each team's results over the past week or two and kind of how everything has culminated to this point. Uh, James, do you want to give the, the Hornets summation first? I will. Let's, let's get it over and done with. Um, so the Hornets somehow finished 10th after being as high as, I think, fourth in the East, probably only a month or so ago. Um, lost five games in a row going into the playing tournament. Lost OT to the Knicks. Then let, led Washington all the way into the fourth tonight. Let the game slip away. Um, it's been a, you know, we all kind of said as soon as you qualified for the play in Hornets fans, like everything from here is a bonus. Well, it sure doesn't feel that way right now, finishing 10th. Um, but hey, we, we're playing the Pacers on, I think it's Tuesday this week in the 10 versus 9 matchup. I'm now really happy there's a playing tournament, whereas if he'd won, I would have hated the playing tournament, obviously. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a tough time. The Hornets have hung in these games the last couple of nights against, you know, the Wizards who've been rolling, the Knicks who've been playing well, have just gone cold down the stretch in the coldest of ways. And it doesn't look like Gordon Hayward's going to be back for the for the playoff playing games either. So it's a, it's a little little rough in Hornets time right now, but a couple of wins this week against Pacers, that would definitely perk things up a bit. So that, that's just about to do it for the Hornets. I will pass it over to the, the ninth seed, Indiana Pacers, over to Mark. Yeah, so first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, looking forward to this. Um, the last two weeks of Pacers basketball, they're four and five over their last nine. Uh, a lot of injuries. The Montes has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Miles Turner still hasn't played and probably won't play in the playing game. Malcolm Brogdon is a game-time decision for the playing game right now. Um, just, yeah, tons of injuries. But everything has really been less about what's going on on court and a lot about what's going on off court, uh, which has been exciting um, in, a, in a lot of different ways to cover. 
Uh, none of them positive, but uh, yeah, it kind of just feels like they have, have dragged themselves through to, to the end of this. Uh, they've been pretty hit or miss. They've been beating up on a lot of bad teams and really struggled with the teams that are actually good. Uh, they've struggled a lot with the Hornets this year uh, outside of one game. So it'll be a really interesting matchup to see how that plays out. Caitlin Cooper wrote a really great preview on, uh, you know, how the switching defense of the Hornets has given them problems and how they could maybe counteract that this year. Um, I'm not really expecting too much out of this team going into uh, going into the play and to be completely honest, but um, hopeful that, that they'll put something nice together. All right. right Jack. We send it over to the uh, eight seed Washington wizards, Ben. Yeah, of course. I, I echo Mark. Thank you guys for having me uh, on today, but, uh, with all the respect to you guys and the teams you cover, you look at the Washington Wizards roster composition, and I think the expectations were a little bit different uh, from the Hornets and the Pacers with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Uh, the fact that the Washington Wizards are in this position is kind of perplexing. I think, again, you look at the Eastern Conference, the Knicks are fourth, the Hawks are fifth, um, and, and, and the Wizards are top-heavy in a sense with Russ and Brad, but the talent is there. This team shouldn't be here. Russ played with a torn quad earlier in the season, which is unheard of. I've never heard of another NBA player play with such a, a severe injury. And he kind of just swept that under the rug until we learned that he played with a torn quad about two weeks ago. And and, and you see in, in his game that he's played like the explosive Russell Westbrook that the Wizards expected when they traded John Wall to Houston. And, and it's resulted in some, in some wins. And they found themselves in a position where I think they could make the playoffs. I think the Hornets and the Pacers are in kind of a quasi-rebuild. I understand that it's been expedited by LaMelo Ball's um, assurgence here. And, and the Pacers have have some good things going with Demontis Sabonis, but the Wizards have some veteran all-NBA type players, and I think that they're in a position where they could make the playoffs and maybe even push a Sixers or a Nets team to a six or seven game series here, and, and it gives them some optimism um, heading into next season because I think the Wizards are better than, than their record indicates and their place and the standing indicates. So it's kind of been an odd season to cover in that way because um, you know, having re-signed Davis Bertans to that massive contract, trading for a guy like Russell Westbrook, I think the expectations for the Washington Wizards were, you know, playing, absolutely not, the playoff spot, push for that home court advantage. But lo and behold, they're here for, you know, often for reasons that they couldn't control. So it'll be interesting to see how they navigate it. Jack, finish this off, Celtics. Yeah, so I'd say I've got a similar standpoint on the Celtics season. Obviously, they've made what, three Eastern Conference Finals the last four years. We all hear that same statistic over and over again, and now they finish this year 500. Obviously, they've missed the most games because of COVID. There's all the excuses. Kemba had his knee issues. Marcus Smart went down with the calf issue. Jason Tatum actually had COVID. Same with Tristan Thompson. Now Jalen Brown's out for the rest of the season in just heartbreaking fashion. So uh, obviously higher hopes for the Celtics team that just went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Uh, got knocked out by the Heat, but they, they fell this year. Uh, due to injury in large part, but also due to the fact that they've just had so many other things going on, like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown being thrust into leadership roles for the first time. Uh, expectations were high. Obviously, Boston fans always want a lot more from their team. And down the stretch, they had a chance to push to even the four seed uh, with two back-to-back -back games against the Heat, and they they lost both of them. Uh, and realistically, the scores looked close, losing by six and eight, but they weren't close games. Celtics made either comeback pushes or fell apart in the second half, and it was just uh, it just, you know, it destroyed them and they they've won uh, one game against the Timberwolves and they almost made a comeback effort here against the Knicks in the last game of the season. But the last six games are two and four. I'm not confident going into the playoffs and it'll be interesting to see what injuries sustain themselves throughout, but uh, it's a very weird Celtics team right now. So there's a good kind of little snapshot. I think of all the teams in the play in, 
you know, th- there's no team here which I really feel is just like happy to be here. I think, you know, Charlotte would have probably fitted to be that team if you asked at the start of the season, but with how the season went, I think that that's changed up a little bit. I think, you know, Indiana, Charlotte have probably been played by injuries, as have probably the Celtics to some extent as well. You know, so in the shortened season, it's been difficult for everyone. Let's let's throw it over to, to Ben and Jack to kind of have a little bit of a preview of that 7-8 matchup and kind of who, where they think the, the games could go, matchups to look out for. Like, firstly, Jack, Ben, who do you think will come out of that 7-8 game? What are your thoughts? Jack, I mean, um, Jack seemed pretty, um, I guess, hopeless in the way he expressed the, the <laughs> on the Celtics here. And I think the Wizards are coming in here with, with, some, with some optimism in the sense that they've played really good basketball and they're finally starting to get healthy. Sort of the opposite turnaround for Boston. Uh, Jalen Bronze hurt for them, um, as Jack just mentioned. And, and Bradley Beals hurt as well, but he played against the Hornets and he made some big-time shots in the stretch. And again, Russell Westbrook is playing some of the best basketball that he's played in, in quite some time. Um, we'll see how, how Scott Brooks handles this rotation because I think Daniel Gafford has shown that he's a very capable NBA player. And, and they have some, some solid veterans in Robin Lopez, who's had the most efficient hook shot in the NBA this season. Take that for what it's worth. But he's played really well off the bench. And Anish Smith and Howell Nets, all these veteran-type guys. And you look at Boston, and they're playing Luke Cornett and, and Jabari Parker. And that's usually not a telltale sign of a winning basketball team, especially uh, at a – at a position like a play-in spot or a playoff spot where the games really start to count. So I think the Wizards have the talent on their side and the health on their side for the first time in quite some time this season. So I, I, I think the Washington Wizards will take care of business against Boston. And then we'll see, we'll see how they defend Jason Tatum. I think that's the biggest question. Um, him and Bradley Beal were really good friends and, and Brad takes it upon himself to, to guard him. Um, he asked for that assignment and Scott Brooks often gives it to him, but we've seen that it's not the best matchup. I mean, Jason Tatum has like six inches on Brad and Brad's not the best defender in the world. Uh, so we'll see how that goes because Jason Tatum, I think is talented enough to, to, to just propel a team to a win when they possibly shouldn't have one. But um, the wizards have struggled at the wing all year long. And I'm not really sure who they'd throw at him. Rui Hachimura seems to make the most sense matchup wise, but again, Scott Brooks has done some things that are, have been questionable for this entire season. And I don't have much confidence that Rui's going to be that guy that's defending him. So um, just situational things and coaching things can, can really swing the game here. But if things are done right, and I think with, with, with some sort of rationale, I think Washington could, could win fairly easily. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, argue the fact that I, I didn't want the Hornets to win today. I, I kind of wanted the Hornets uh, to play the Celtics in the eight, nine matchup. Cause like you said, I mean, Washington's been one of the hottest teams in the league uh, in the past month or so. And the Celtics have been the exact opposite of that. The one area I would say does lean itself in favor of Boston is the wizards aren't a great sh- three point shooting team. And that has been the area where the Celtics have been g- getting killed lately. You look at the two heat games, Duncan Robinson was getting all of the open threes in the world. Kevin love had his first 30 point game in what seems like seven years, uh, just a- allowing, you know, other teams to shoot three super well. And Celtics have gone two and one against the wizards this season. So I think if I've learned anything from watching the Celtics is don't, ever know what to expect but if i've learned anything from watching the celtics these past couple weeks then they're gonna have to play at their very very best to you know stand toe-to-toe with the wizards so i think i think it'll be a close one i do think the celtics are capable of pulling out a win but i don't necessarily have the utmost confidence in them to do so i think it's interesting like i would just like guys everybody goes through their previews the every 
team in the play-in is missing like a really key player or in the series. Like the Hay- Hornets are missing Gordon Hayward. The Pacers will likely have Miles Turner out. The Wizards are missing Thomas Bryant for basically the whole season. And Denny Avdi is hurt now. And then obviously Jalen Brown is out for the Celtics and Robert Williams might not even play either. So I think that a lot of the, the reason that a lot of us are here, I think, is is just because of bad injury luck. And I think that's got to be something that really has an effect on the 9-10 matchup with the Pacers and the Hornets. Because, you know, now the, the Hornets, obviously, in their Sunday game against the Wizards, the, the player that is not going to be there against the Pacers, Gordon Hayward, at least we assume. There's been no word that he's even, like, really close to ready. Uh, presumably, he could be listed as, like, questionable or something by the time Tuesday morning rolls around. But at all signs right now point to him not being available. But they really could use him at this time. Like, the down the stretch against the Wizards, they kind of faltered a little bit. They need him and his bucket getting ability and crunch time out there like he's really there the one veteran presence that they have that can stabilize the offense and not having that type of player in these crunch time situations at the end of the season is a huge disadvantage even if like the rest of your team is really good like the Hornets have plenty of players that are capable of playing well against the Pacers as they already have this year but the Pacers have multiple players with playoff experience and they also have multiple players that are all-star caliber. So it'll definitely be a tough matchup when, you know, in, the, in a postseason scenario when teams aren't going to really try anything out. They're just going to figure out what beats you and then just do that over and over again until the game is over. So, Mark, what, what, what do you think your, your take is going to be on the plan for this game? Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Biz has the most playoff experience yeah. on, uh, on, on the Hornets, which, yep. uh, you know, <laughs> considering how he's played recently, I'm not sure that – I mean, he's probably going to have to log time – uh, yeah, I think I would agree in a, in a one or two game series. I think the Pacers have the upper hand just because, uh, a Domas is just, he's been awesome against the Hornets. Um, but at the same time, they just are, they, they've been really inconsistent with some stuff on the wings. And I think Karras has been on a heater lately, um, which has been really nice, but some of the guys on the, on the fringe of the roster or fringe of the rotation, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. Um, especially if Malcolm Brogdon doesn't play. Uh, I mean, I think if Malcolm does play, I'd be fairly confident in what the Pacers are going to be able to do. Uh, but a lot of it just comes down to the defense because the defense just has not straight up has not been good um, without any real rim protection, uh, especially against a team that can go five out like the Hornets. Um, that's going to be tough. But um, I think in terms of looking at what they can do in the half court and uh, when things really settle down at the end of a game, uh, I have a lot of confidence and well, not a lot, but in terms of like in playing in a, in a nine, 10 matchup, I have a lot of confidence in what the Pacers will be able to do. Yeah. James, what, what do you think about it? It's quite incredible, really. The amount of injuries the Pacers have had recently and the offense has been really good. I mean, keep checking box scores for the Pacers games. Even when they're losing, it's gone like 120, 130 points with like guys who you would not be thinking of, you know, featuring for a, a great offensive team. I mean, TJ McConnell this season, every time I watch that guy play, has been like uh, a real difference maker out there. Brissett, who they've like signed off the scrap heap like two or three weeks ago. I mean, just a lot of people, like a lot of Hornets fans will not know who Brissett is. Uh, I know Chase was a big fan because he went to Syracuse. But can you just talk about like how he ended up on the paces, what he's done the last few weeks? Because I mean, he dropped 31 points, 10 rebounds tonight. Um, in your win over the Raptors. Yeah, if you could just talk a little bit about him and what kind of the, the Hornets can expect and what they're going to have to deal with with him. 
Yeah. Um, so he's been honestly a joy to watch this year as, as things have really wound down and not been uh, promising for the last month and a half. He's been one of the real bright spots. Um, I mean, he went for, I just tweeted this out today. He's never shot above league average from three in college or the G league. And he's shooting over 40% on high volume uh, since joining the Pacers, which has really been uh, what's allowed him to play for so much. Uh, and they needed it too. I mean, they had no one on the, on the team, especially with TJ Warren going down. They had no one who was a forward on the roster. Everyone was, you're either six eleven or six five. Um, so the, like having no line of versatility made it really difficult. He's brought a lot of that. Um, I'm interested to see what he looks like in the playoffs. Cause he's just never played in the playoffs before. Um, I mean, even at Syracuse, I don't think that they went that far when he was there. And that doesn't, you know, that really doesn't translate that much to the NBA, but he, I mean, he's capable of putting the ball on the deck, uh, attacking closeouts. He's a smart decision maker. He's not like a great passer or anything, but, um, he's a quality defender. I mean, I think he'll probably, I would imagine end up guarding, uh, either miles or PJ. Um, and I, I'm interested to see what they'll do with Domas and how they try and play that defensively. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been a joy to watch. And to your point with McConnell, James, I mean, he's been – I have no idea what to think about what he's going to get in free agency this year because he's been – I mean, he, he closes pretty often for the team. He's probably their second-best playmaker. Um, and, I mean, in terms of guys who are going to hit a shot late in the shot clock – um, I mean, they, they rely on TJ to do it a lot, which you wouldn't expect, but he's had, he's had a hell of a year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for O'Shea to see what he can do in the play-in. And, and I noticed Levert only played 21 minutes today. Was that just minutes being managed? There wasn't any injury he, there? Yeah. So he went down hard after a missed shot at the rim, uh, and they pulled him for, for the rest of the game. Uh, I don't think it was anything super serious. I, I mean, they haven't really reported anything on it today. They said he had a migraine, but um, I would imagine he'll probably be fine by Tuesday. Okay. And, and speaking of injuries, Ben, what did you make of Bradley Beal today? Because in that first quarter, first half, like I, I did not think he was going to stay out there. And then second half, he just seemed to be back to kind of normal Bradley Beal and, and scored 13 points, I think, down the fourth quarter. So what, what did you make of Bradley Beal? How comfortable did you feel about him playing today? Kind of when you could see him physically struggling on the court? Yeah, the Wizards have a weird, marred history of letting players play through injuries. It started with John Wall. He had like a decade's worth of injuries that he just kind of sort of played through, and the team let him do that. And Russell Westbrook, again, played through a torn quad, and then he looked injured. He hadn't dunked the basketball in like three months. He couldn't attack the basket. He, he was turning the ball over and just looked like a shell of himself. And he was clearly hurt, yet the Wizards, again, let him play through it. And now Bradley Beal is playing through the strained hamstring. You mentioned the fact that he kind of came on late, but – Throughout the game, he was hobbling the entire time. I mean, he could barely defend anybody. I was incredibly nervous that he was going to exacerbate the injury. And and, and th this is, a, look, I'm no medical professional, but the Wizards, again, have a history of letting guys play through pain, and it never ends well in the NBA. They're playing at a very high level. These games are are, are intense, given given the repercussions of the of the of the, um, of the final score. And, and Brad, again, came on late, but 25 points on 27 shots. He looked hobbled. He looked injured. I would have liked for him to sit. Uh, the Wizards looked fine with Russ leading the way. Other guys have stepped up. I mentioned Robin Lopez. Ish Smith had some key shots. Tavis Bertans has been up and down, but Rui Hachimura. I mean, they have enough guys to compete without Brad, especially the way that Russ has been playing. I didn't think they needed him um, on Sunday against the Hornets, but lo and behold, he played through pain, and it'll be interesting to see how he looks in the play-in because the Wizards obviously aren't as competitive with Brad out, but 
they want Brad here long term. They want him in DC long term. And I get the plan's important, but uh, Brad's career and, and and I think his longevity in Washington is a lot more important than just a single game. So disappointed that he played, but hey, if he thinks he can play through it, so be it. But it was kind of a struggle to watch him just hobble on the court, no doubt. And I went to the Wizards pregame and Scott Brooks kind of said his, his belief is that players know when they're ready to play through an injury, which I found an interesting approach to take to an injury. Like, because p- what player is going to be like, nah, I don't, you know, it's a key game. I, I don't, I don't want to play. Like every guy is going to tell you whatever and you need to rely on the medical professional surely to like, to steer that you'd hope. So yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting approach. I, th- I thought as soon as he said he kind of, his game time decision, I thought he was going to play today. Do you think the scoring title had anything to do with it? Or do you think he was just thinking, no, I want to get this win. I want to get up to the eight seed. Yeah, I mean, I think his reputation was on the line this season in the sense that there's a lot of conventional fans out there that think this Wizards team had just been struggling for no reason and maybe Brad's is the ball hog or whatever. And I think he understands that winning key basketball games is going to kind of change the course of his career going forward. And I think he wanted to win the basketball game. I don't think Brad and really anybody in the NBA cares about individual accolades like that. I mean, I asked Russell Westbrook a couple of days ago about all NBA and he seemed to forget that that was even a thing. Maybe that's because he's a former MVP and the triple-double king and whatever, but... Um, no, but I don't think Brad cares about the, the scoring title at all. I think he wanted to win a game and and and, and show that the Wizards can can play at a high level. And, and he is one of the best players in the NBA, but he hasn't gotten that sort of love throughout the course of his career. I mean, he missed the, the All-Star team last year and it might miss all NBA this year and for that reason. So uh, for him to kind of reach reach the status that I think he wants to reach. It's, it's about winning basketball games at a high level. And, and, and when it counts, not really, you know, I don't think he really cares about individual accolades at this point. Okay. So kind of, we, we touched earlier on, on some of the previews. I think it'd be good, interesting to go around and kind of get some, some predictions really of where like we finish at the end of things, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, so Jack, we'll start with you. Where, do, what do you think the, the kind of, how do you think it's going to play out in the end? Well, I think it really depends on how severe some of these injuries for the Celtics are because they there were technically seven players on the injury report uh, for uh, today's game versus the Knicks. But realistically, how many of those were, OK, we're going to rest these guys and how many of those are, OK, this guy's actually hurting. I think like Chase said earlier, Robert Williams uh, actually does have a serious injury. It, it's listed as turf toe. But realistically, he got taken out against the heat when he tried to play. He hasn't played since. And so is he going to play? excuse me, in these play-in games versus the Wizards and possibly against the winner of Pacers-Hornets. I don't know. I think Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, they'll be good to go. I think Jason Tatum and Fournier will be good to go. I think Tristan Thompson will be good to go. But I think, obviously, no Jalen Brown for the rest of the season hurts a lot. And if Robert Williams is healthy, I think they can compete better in that Wizards game simply from a matchup perspective because, like you know, Ben was saying, Luke Cornett and Taco Fall and Grant Williams playing the center position, Jabari Parker – not ideal. I'd much rather have Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson rotation. So I think if, if those two are healthy and the Celtics are healthy outside of Jalen Brown, I think they can finish with that seven seed. But if not, I think they would still be able to win the nine, 10 matchup. So it, it depends on the health of Robert Williams uh, and the rest of the guys from that perspective. Okay. Ben, who, who have you got finishing kind of seven and eight in the end? 
Yeah, I mean, you watch the Celtics team play. You squint. They're wearing Celtics jerseys. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens is on the sideline. You can kind of convince yourself this is the Celtics team, and it's not. I mean, like like Jack just said, you got Luke Cornett out there, Jabari Parker. It's the real Celtics team. These are just kind of guys who wouldn't be playing if the Celtics were healthy, and and any other typical season might not even be on the roster. So Washington, I think, is on the healthy side of things uh, in, in large part. Uh, I guess, relatively speaking, and I, and I think Russ and I think Brad will elevate this team. And they have some, again, some, some pretty good role players in Bertans and how Neto if he plays in their Smith. And Daniel Gafford's coming along as well. I asked Scott Brooks if he shortened his rotation, and I asked that for the purposes of the center rotation because they're the only team in the NBA that plays three centers. And he seemed to say they will. Um, that remains to be seen. Daniel Gafford's the best center on the roster. And I think if he plays, he has a significant athletic advantage over Luke Cornett and any of the guys that we previously mentioned. Uh, he's one of the better shot-blocking young big men in the league, and, and he's a very good rebounder. And I think, really, when you just look at the landscape of this game, the Wizards kind of have an edge everywhere. But, again, it's the Washington Wizards we're talking about. I could easily see Peyton Pritchard go off and look like John Stockton against them, too. So you really never know what you're going to get with them. But if I were to make a prediction, I think I think uh, the Wizards are going to win and, and maybe look semi-competitive against Philadelphia. And if I may add, Ish Smith, the notorious Celtics killer. I think every time I've ever seen him play against the Celtics, he's dropped 20 plus points. So I'm not I'm not looking forward to that one in the play in game. So if we're thinking, you know, we, you know, I think me and Chase are thinking Charlotte might struggle against Indiana. Let's say Washington win. OK, beat the Celtics. Let's say Indiana beat the Hornets. You then got that Indiana-Boston matchup. Jack, Mark, how do you kind of see that going with that potentially coming down the road? I think that was, that's probably a really tough one to call. And like, like you guys have said already, I know a lot like depends on health. Um, but what are your thoughts on that matchup, Mark? Yeah, um, it's really weird because these two teams haven't played. I, I think they haven't played since March or February. It's been a while since they finished the season series. So both teams are look completely different than when they played last time. Uh, but I would say, too, uh, they just – I mean, the Celtics tend to play the Pacers really well. Um, other than the first game of the year when when Domas really went off and had a game-winning play against them, uh, Brad Stevens has coached really well against them and forcing him into tougher shots, and, and they, they really do a good job of sinking in the paint, um, taking away driving lanes, uh, taking away some of the easier passes. Um, I personally would just go with Boston because they have no one who can defend Jason Tatum. Uh, and when it comes down to the playoffs, I mean, Jason's been there. He's been incredible in them. And I just don't know who defends him. Normally it's Malcolm Brogdon, but that's asking a lot out of him. Um, but uh, I think that's where I would go right now if they ended up playing. But it, it's probably a toss up. But I'd, I'd definitely lean towards the Celtics. I'd, I'd probably take a similar standpoint. Like you said, I think they haven't played since it has to have been since before the Oster break. It's been a while since the two teams matched up. I think Jason Tatum comes out as the best player in the series. I think Sabonis has the potential to really kill the Celtics inside because, uh, you know, no Daniel Tice anymore. And as, as good as Tristan Thompson is, as strong as he is, Tice is a better defender, I think. So having that matchup for Sabonis is really tough, especially because I think Jalen Brown spent a bit of time on him too, and he's hurt now. Jalen Brown spends a lot of time guarding these bigger power forwards like Siakam, like Julius Randle, like Domantas Sabonis. So without him, they're going to have to find a new matchup uh for him but outside of that i think jason tatum can play really well the addition of evan fournier uh, has been really solid when he's been able to be on the court he's shooting the ball really well so i i'd lean towards celtics in that game as well okay so i mean this is the first play in the nba he's done apart from the, the bubble playing last year which was a little bit different with the limited teams up there just kind of I'll, I'll open it up here so anyone just jump in if you've got any thoughts 
Does anyone here have any strong playing thoughts? Either way, strongly for, strongly against. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll get it started. I, I think for me, this is a, a really interesting idea. Like the, the games, the last kind of two or three nights watching for the, for the Charlotte Hornets and for the teams here have been important games with meanings. They haven't just been, let's rest everyone like the Raptors did tonight. The Raptors played like six guys tonight. I mean, come yeah. on, that was just embarrassing. Like, you know, it, and it's not com- completely solving the issue, but it's helping the issue. It's helping the bit of the quality product. I mean, I've been nervous for a regular season game before the play-in started, before the playoff starts. Like how many, it's crazy to think there's like now three rounds of nerves. Uh, but but for me, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I think, I'm glad it's not come back to bite Charlotte in the ass. Like the, the one year that I thought Charlotte might get the eighth seed, I thought all of a sudden there's this whole playing thing. Um, but, you know, Charlotte doing their good old traditional finishing ninth or tenth like they normally do. So has anyone else got any thoughts on the playing? I mean, see, my thing is like there are only a handful of teams at Merv, teams and fan bases like every year that are going to care like one way or another like super strongly so in the if the way that the nba is looking at it like i highly doubt it's going to go away because if the lakers like end up even if they end up in the plane and lose or anything what's the likelihood that that happens like next year when they're healthy and all that and it just created so much intrigue at the end of the season and it's like i said it only affects a certain amount of fan bases anyway like it's not like brooklyn nets fans or like phoenix suns fans are like sitting online writing strongly worded messages about the play in tournament right now. So I think it's like ultimately fine. Like it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. I think, I don't think that many people will in like two or three years have strong opinions about it, but I think right away people just react to it because it's like the new, new change to the beautiful sport of basketball that we have not yet seen. I mean, I guess in the bubble we kind of did, but that wasn't the exact same thing. I mean, from purely a fan's perspective, I think it's doing exactly what it wants to do. Like you look at, uh, I mean, obviously I've been paying attention to the Celtics schedule. Those two heat games were about as intense as they come. Granted the Celtics lost them both, which not ideal, but it, they were both very important games. The Celtics win two, those two games. They're the four seed potentially. The The Knicks could fall to you know, play in game. The Heat could fall into the play in game. Like the whole outcome of the season came down to the last five games or 10 games when in, in past years, those would be the games where everyone's sitting and the product on the court just deteriorates by so much. Meanwhile, this year, the Celtics only benched a bunch of guys for one, maybe two games. So from the NBA and fan perspective, it's, I think, a great idea. I can understand why, you know, guys like LeBron, who aren't exactly too happy that their team fell on the plane, I, I understand why they're angry about it. But like you said, Chase, like, one or two teams are going to be mad every year. And those teams are always going to be rotating. So, and if they're not rotating, then you just have to look deeper to why your team can't be any better. So realistically, I think, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I think, I mean, just given how it's gone this year, it's fine. Um, Like all these teams are within a couple of games of each other. It's not like, uh, I mean, there were a couple of years ago, uh, there was a team that was like an eighth that was 48 and 34. And then you go to the ninth seed and they're six games worse. Um, so like, that's, that's the only thing that I find like kind of murky. Um, but then again, like even, even now, like if you just look at the last month and a half of basketball, like Washington is far and away the best out of, out of these four teams. 
Um, so it, that's kind of one of the aspects I like. I mean, they dealt with a lot of injuries and just inconsistency to start the year and they found a good groove and they can actually kind of capitalize on in it in the playoffs. And, um, I mean, no offense to the Celtics, but like they've been banged up to, to close out the year and it, it sucks because I've really liked watching the Celtics team. Um, but you know, I mean, just in terms of actual on-court product and, and having the most competitive series, like it's probably better for Washington to go and play Philadelphia than than for than for Boston too. And I was going to get around and ask the room, kind of, for everyone to predict which team they think will will go the furthest of these playing teams. But I think everyone's already said that it's Washington, and I think that's kind of a pretty uniform, really. So I think the Wizards, we think, will be. We'll be leading the charge, but you know, this is the NBA. Like things never happen. The fact that we all think that now makes me think that isn't going to happen. Just like things happen every year, don't they? The Knicks this year being incredible. Like just the Suns getting the, you know, nearly being the number one seed in the West. These these things happen time and time again that you would give like a less than 10% chance to actually happen. So um, really, really fascinating to see how it goes. I, I would back the Wizards all the, all the way, I think. Um, and like you say, those two guys, two all NBA caliber guys, I think they could give any team uh, a scare. Um, what we'll do is we'll just get a quick kind of Eastern Conference prediction uh, champion from everyone. And then then I think we'll get out of here. Um, so we'll, we'll head over to you first, Jack. Do you want to give us your kind of Eastern Conference prediction? Struggling with the unmute button there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I think while, you know, the Nets probably are the favorite i'd probably lean philly they've played really well against the nets all year i don't think anybody on that nets roster matches up with uh Embiid at all i think tybal and simmons and chance out of almost anybody in the east to guard the nets big three and as much as it pains me as a boston guy to pick philly to go forward i, I think they got the best chance of coming out of the east this year ben yeah i think brooklyn um talent wise I mean, beating them in a seven-game series is going to be really difficult. From a Washington perspective, I think they match up probably a little bit better um, against Brooklyn than they do against the Sixers. They beat Brooklyn twice this year, both in incredible fashion, probably some luck there. But Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons is a, is a tough haul for the Wizards to overcome, and their front court is is pretty sparse there. So I think Joel Embiid would probably dominate that matchup and, and win, win in five or six games. And the Wizards have a lot riding on this in the sense that you know, Scott Brooks is in his final season trying to convince the team to keep him around. Ted Leonsis, the team's owner, recently had a media conference and didn't really give Scott going reviews and just kind of just said, you know, we'll wait to see what happens in the play-in. But you know, overall, in the Eastern Conference standpoint, um, every team, I think, has a pretty good shot. There's more parity in the NBA now than there's been in, in quite some time. But all in all, I think Brooklyn, again, uh, has a ton of talent. And Kevin Durant on any given night is the best player in the world, and I really can't bet against him. So I think Brooklyn uh, goes to the finals, and I think the Lakers end up in the finals as well. Maybe that's a hot take, but I think the Lakers end up repeating there, and it ends up being a 30 for 30 and, and at some time, maybe directed <laughs> by LeBron. Who knows? <laughs> Love it. And, and Mark? Yeah, um, I actually am going to pick Milwaukee for the Eastern Conference. Um, I know a lot of people lost faith in them, but I also think that those people probably haven't been watching them as much this year. Um, they just are a different team. I think they have the most versatility across the board. I like how they match up with Brooklyn, and I, I think, well, Brooklyn obviously has the most scoring talent. Um, given how everything shook out with um, them just really not being able to have consistency together down the stretch, um, I think I would give the edge to, to gosh, uh, to Milwaukee going in. Um, and I mean, Giannis is just a different player this year. I think he's going to be a lot better in the playoffs. Not that he was bad, but like just given where he was at and 
um, how that shook out. I would go with them. I mean, Philly, of course, has a, has a real chance, but I think just so much relies on what Embiid is doing on both ends. Um, it's asking a lot out of a guy who has struggled with his stamina and just being able to be 100% on court all the time. So I think I would definitely go with Milwaukee. Chase, what are you saying? See, I think I'm going to go with Milwaukee too, honestly. I think that they actually do kind of like – Embiid is a matchup problem for pretty much every team in the East. But they, if there is a team that's in that like top tier that's going to be able to limit him, I think it's Milwaukee. Uh, I, I agree with Mark that Giannis is, has been like a lot better than he's been getting credit for. If he hadn't just won MVP twice, I think he would be like a lot higher up in MVP conversations. Um, I also think that it's it just given given their path as the three seed having to play Milwaukee, like if they get by them or uh, Miami in the first round, I'm sorry, if they get by them, I think that's going to be like a huge boost for especially after last year, that's going to be like a huge confidence boost going forward. I, I, and I think I, I really I think people are sleeping on Milwaukee going into the, the playoffs this year. You see, I thought I was going to be like outside of picking Milwaukee, but now I'm in the majority <laughs> like. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll pick Milwaukee. I'm not going to run through why you guys, you guys have said it all. I think they're, they're built better for the postseason now. So yeah, interesting. I mean, this is what I love about this year's NBA though, because honestly, I feel any, like, any of like what, six, seven teams could win the title. How many different teams could make the conference finals? How many different teams could make the playoffs at the start of the year? There's, there's kind of, it's been really close this whole season. And I think it's been, it's been a really, really fun season. It's been hard watching because there's just been so many games coming at you thick and fast because of the, the kind of the schedule. But um, I mean, for our teams, we might only have a couple of weeks left and then we're, we're done until what, November? Do we think season's starting normal time next year? I've not heard anything about that. November time, October. So, you know, we take it for granted at the moment with so much basketball, but we're, we're going to be missing it. You can guarantee that in, in a couple of weeks. But um. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Really appreciate it for our, our first ever playing Megapod. Uh, really good to get some of your insights in the team. And I wish all of your teams, apart from Marks and anyone else, the Hornets come across, uh, the best of luck in the next couple of, in the next week or so in the playing games. And uh, it's going to be a fun watch for all of us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having us, guys. This was a blast. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much.